This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that really, really wants more people to take up investing. I'm Scott Phillips, and with me is, well, not Anir Barn Mahanti this week, but a very special guest. And a special guest for a few reasons. Firstly, it's the first special guest we've had from outside the Motley Fool. And secondly, because this is the first female voice we've brought you on Motley Fool Money, and it's about bloody time. Welcome to Bronwyn Bruce, who blogs as Miss Moneybox. Hi, Scott. Thank you for joining us. Now, I've asked Bronwyn to join us, and she graciously agreed, because getting women to invest, getting them started, is kind of one of my passions, the passion of the Motley Fool, and kind of, we've never really done it well. So, we're going to try and find out from Bronwyn exactly what we're doing wrong, what you can do better, and if you have women in your life, how you can help them invest as well. So, Bronwyn, thank you again for joining us. Let's, um, let's kick off. So, it's been going for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's www.missmoneybox.com.au. But what is it? So, it's a blog that tries to simplify money. I felt like in the world out there, there was just too much noise and it was a bit too complicated. And women should be able to invest. They're great savers, but not so great at investing. <laughs> Better than blokes at saving, I reckon, too, just quietly. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Um, and so what have you, what's, what's the focus? How have you kind of gone about delivering that sort of stuff for, for people who read your, read your blog? So I read a lot about money and personal finance and I, I, my, one of my skills is um, simplifying content. Nice. So I just take things that I think are really difficult to process and sometimes it takes a few days for me to, to get to the point of it mm. and write it as a very simple blog post. So, for example, I wrote something about the First Home Super Saver Scheme. That was very good, just quietly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, it took me days to get my head around that, to be oh, honest. Man. It was super complicated. Uh, and then I just I tried to break it down into just 500 words. So if anyone wanted to actually try and get involved in that and buy their first home, by using the scheme, then hopefully a post like that can help them. All right, there you go, folks. We've delivered more value in five seconds than we've delivered in about, what, 100 podcasts, Liam? So so if you want to find out more about the First Home Super Saver Scheme, I think that's what it's called, jump on Miss Moneybox and have a look. Uh, it is a stupidly complex piece of legislation and policy, uh, but Bronwyn has done a great job breaking it down, so, so start there. All right, so uh, women in investing, yeah. So here's the thing. It, there's no reason why women shouldn't be investing, mm-hmm. but they tend on average, and these are all averages, right? So we won't get too bogged down in, it's not going to describe every man or every woman or every investor. Why are women, so so? if I take a step back, if I think about investing, right? If yep. I'm going to make money owning a particular company or owning an ETF or, or, or whatever I'm doing, it kind of doesn't, there's no, there's no male skill. There's no, it doesn't, I don't pass go because I'm male. The shares don't know who owns them. It's not like they're going to say, well, I, I'm owned by a male or a female, therefore I'm going to go up or down more. Mm-hmm. It feels like it should be something that at least theoretically is a very non-gendered pursuit, right? Mm-hmm. So why aren't more women investing? There are a number of reasons. Uh, it goes back a long way. So for a start, women have lower financial literacy than men. Um, and this is not because women are dumb. Um, it's just due to a lack of education, uh, mm. traditional female gender roles, mm. um, and generally literacy increases with the amount of money you have. So okay. um, I think there needs to be policy efforts to build literacy amongst women, right? and that needs to involve education. Uh, and the problem also with literacy is like you can start with literacy, mm. But then you need to get to capability. Okay. And to get there, you need the motivation. All right. So let me, let me break this down before you keep going a little bit. So mm-hmm. 
financial literacy, on one level, I'm thinking to myself, well, hang on, we all went to the same schools, we all kind of had the same opportunities to attend the same courses. There's, there's no, again, there shouldn't be necessarily a gendered reason why women are less financially literate than men. Mm-hmm. But that's, I, I agree that, by the way, it's the case. So if, if you're going to – you talk about policy policy outcomes or policy decisions, what would you change in the sense that we've all got the same uh, potential access to these things? Yeah. What is it that's stopping women leaving school or, or, or at whatever age being less financially literate than men? Women need to have their confidence built up around financial stuff. Okay. Uh, so there's a, a sort of – personal finance circles, famous literacy quiz, three questions done by two professors in the States. Um, So Anna-Maria Lusardi and Olivia Mitchell. And it's just three questions that measure financial literacy. Mm -hmm. Um, Women will often answer, I don't know, (laughs) rather than actually giving it a go. And I think that's a confidence thing. Um, So in order to build literacy, we need to build confidence. Mm -hmm. Is it a? Is it a? Uh, my, my take is that there's some sense that that's that's kind of a thing in life, right? Like I know most blokes, and this is horrible generalization, and we're going to generalize a lot. So, so listeners will have to bear with us, and, and feel free, by the way, to call me out when I'm getting those generalizations wrong. Okay. But as a matter of course, there's the stereotype that a bloke will apply for a job that he's completely unqualified for and try and bullshit his way, if I can use that term, through the interview and try and get the job. Yes. A woman will be cont- entirely qualified for the job and think, ah, oh, there's probably better candidates out there. I won't apply. Mm-hmm. Is that the root of this, do you think, from a financial literacy perspective as well? Or is there, is there other stuff at play? I, I actually think you've probably hit the nail on the head there. Um, we have this whole imposter syndrome thing going yeah, on right. with women. Just I, explain I've, imposter syndrome for a sec. So it's this constant voice in your head that's like, I'm not good enough to be here. I'm not good enough to go for that job. Right. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about in the share market. I don't know anything about stocks. Mm. So it's just this thing. I don't know. I don't know why, but it's a thing that's always there in the back of your mind. Right. I have it right now. I'm on the, <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing on the radio <laughs> talking about investing and literacy? You're making me sound good is what you're doing, Rob. So keep, keep going because it's, it's the best podcast we've had and we're only a couple of minutes in so oh, far. Okay. Um, so, okay. So, and, and is that the imposter syndrome idea, the, the lack of kind of willingness to put yourself forward, to believe in yourself? Do you think that's – is that – is that in education as well? Like, how far back do we have to go? How, how early do we have to go in women's lives to kind of pick this up? Is this a, is it not, is it women not doing um, high school maths to a large enough degree or, or applying for commerce or economics courses at high school? Is it a university thing? Is it a, is it, is it simply sitting around the table talking about money at home? What, what's, how do we, how do we address the, the lack of confidence, the lack of, or how do we solve the imposter syndrome? Where do we need to start? Where do we need to finish? How does that work? I think it starts very young. Socialization okay. starts very young for girls. Mm. Um, and in respect to money, I think one of the big drivers of being financially literate um, and having the confidence to to invest in all of these things um, is mm. driven by parents. They're the big influences in, in money and, okay. and being able to do that stuff. So You were telling me a, a story before the, the, the podcast I'll ask you to, to repeat. You're saying you, you spoke to someone who had some brothers. Would you mind telling me that story? Just yeah, so I, I met this woman. She would have been, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s, and um, she had just started investing. And she said she told her two brothers that, that she started investing, and they said, oh, yeah, we've been doing that for 10 years. <laughs> And she was like, how did these conversations happen all around me in my family? And right. I've missed them completely. And was it a family conversation in the end? Was it, was it kind of the, the parents I, and kids that talked about it or just the brothers she, talked amongst themselves? I don't know. She doesn't know. 
Isn't that amazing? So the yeah. brothers have both been, or I assume those two, they've been investing. Yeah. And you each other were investing, but yep. never bothered talking to their sister about it. Never, ever. That's and, bizarre. And that's, you know, uh, like I, I was talking to you before about this. So in my family, my father, uh, he he was very proactive in teaching me about investing, mm. mostly because he just wanted me to tell him the um, closing prices of his shares <laughs> at the end of the day. You were, you, were, you were on newspaper duty, were you? Uh, yeah, I was, yeah. Every nice. day I have to ring him up. <laughs> Four o'clock. All right. What was the high? What was the low? What was the closing? All right. So uh, before you keep going with that story, I'm going to I'm going to take you back a bit. So okay. so tell me that tell me the Bronwyn Bruce story. This is obviously part of how you got to investing, but yeah. kind of you are you are unfortunately for most women you are unusual in the sense that you are an investor. You are interested in investing in money. You've you've made yourself financially literate. Just, just give us, give the listeners a bit of your backstory, if you like. Was that the beginning? Was it? Was it your dad saying, "Hey, what are the closing prices?" Is that how you started in investing? No, my dad's been banging on to me about money for years. <laughs> so he, he, he's actually a huge influence on my life. Nice. So, as as has been my mother, but with the investing stuff, yeah, it's yeah. been my dad. Strike one for the dads of girls. Awesome, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I remember when, um, you know, I would probably been like seven or eight going to the shops on a Sunday and, you know, your reward for doing the chores for the week was you can have a bag of chips. And my dad said to me, all right, do you want to continue to have a bag of chips or would you like me to give you a dollar? And I'm ah. like, I, I want the chips. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, but if you have the dollar, you have the change left over. Hey, there you go. And you can buy more chips. <laughs> so, you know, as a kid, that really appealed to me. Yeah, I bet. That's a good start. So that's, you know... From a young age. Mm. And then, like, he supported me doing a lot of crazy things. You know, I used to sell things at school and with a markup. Hey. I was into all sorts of stuff. That's a very Warren Buffett thing to do. You know, he used to buy buy a six-pack of Coke for 25 cents and sell them for a dime each. Yeah. Whatever it is. He used to make money doing that. There you go. In the steps of Warren Buffett. Well, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you were you were you were selling selling breaking up drinks, selling them at school. What came next? Um, and then came the share market stuff. Okay, so I actually had no idea what I was doing. Right, you know, I didn't. He's like, "What's steel and tube today?" I'm like, <laughs> "I don't know." <laughs> Here you go, one oh five, one oh six. Was that his way of getting you to kind of get familiar with it? Do you think, or he just he just wanted you to know? Wanted you I to do it? I actually think Dad just wanted to know. <laughs> That's got some good side effects. Yeah, but it, it actually worked. And then okay. when I got into my mid-20s and I, I, I thought I need to start taking control of my money situation, mm. I didn't want to buy a house. A, it's too expensive. <laughs> B, I didn't know where I was going to be. Right. And the idea of uh, you know investing in property just freaked me out. So mm-hmm. I thought, I'll buy some shares. Okay. Yeah. So was it kind of the kernel that your dad had planted those years earlier to kind of open your eyes to the possibility of it? Because some people would be ask themselves those questions of, I don't want to buy a house, I can't really afford it, I don't really know what to do, so I'll do nothing. That, you know, I, I share, and guys as well, but but largely women, that sense of kind of, I'm not, I don't know enough to do shares at all. So even if even if I heard about it, I still wouldn't do it because I don't know anything about it. What, what got you across the line to making that decision for yourself? I, I just didn't want my money sitting in a bank account earning pittance interest. Nice. Um, it bothered me. Yeah. And I, I think this happens with a lot of women. You know, they're great savers. And because in uh, at school and at home, they're taught how to save, mm. but they're not really taught how to invest. And they have this issue with security. Like, so men, and generalization yeah, here, they want to make money. They want to build wealth. Girl, little girls aren't brought up to, to go, oh, I want my capital to rise. <laughs> you know, I want to be mega rich like yeah, Warren right, Buffett. Right. 
We're not like that. Well, it's almost one of those gendered kind of, and, and in a very, very discriminatory kind of stereotypical way, there's kind of that idea of, you know, men are leaders, women are bossy, that kind of idea. It's like... Bossy is the worst word. Right, right. So so in the sense of finance, it's kind of like men want to be rich, but then women who want money are just kind of somehow... It's it's almost it's not exactly looked down on, but it's not exactly encouraged, right? Whereas if a, if a, if a little boy wants to do it, it's like, yeah, you go and be a master of the universe. You go yep. and kind of do that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it kind of does start that, that young, really, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Women, women are not taught to... Yeah want to gain wealth. Yeah, right, right. So you mentioned literacy and then capability. Mm-hmm. Tell me tell me kind of in that context, what is it about capability that how does how does literacy literacy become capability and what needs to happen for that to kind of take place and be be and take root for women in, in their investing lives? So it's kind of an equation. So it's literacy plus motivation equals financial capability. Hey, hey, write that one down, fools. Literacy (laughs) plus motivation is capability. I like that. Okay, that's cool. And to get to capability, you need to be given the skills, the education, and also there needs to be quality products and services available so that women can actually start in this process of if investing. Only there was a blog called MissMoneyBox.com.au where they, women could go and, and, and build their financial <laughs> capability. That would be a wonderful thing. So if, if you do happen to, to jump on. Look, I'm going to stop here just for a second because I, what I didn't start with is why I actually asked you to come on in the first place. And a lot of our listeners, you know what, I, w- I would speculate that a decent number of our listeners are blokes because most investors are blokes, most of our members are blokes. It kind of follows, and to your exact point, that's kind of the, the reality. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some guys listening to us right now who are thinking, well – What's in it for me? Why am I even listening to this? And, and I'll, I'll answer that. I'm not going to ask you to answer it because it's not fair to ask you to answer it. The reason I asked you to come on was because it's incredibly important that all for, for all of the, the men listening and the women listening, obviously, hopefully it's useful just straight out. But for the blokes listening, it's about the people in your lives that you know, the women in your lives, the sisters, mothers, girlfriends, daughters, nieces, neighbors. You know, th- these are the challenges that as blokes we don't see. You know, we don't we don't face those sort of problems, so we're never really conscious of them. Um, and, and frankly, as I said when we started the the podcast, I've long wanted to try and get more women involved in investing. I don't know the answers to how to do that, but I do know that I frankly, you know what, women are actually better investors. The research says that women are better at this than we are. Um, so kind of maybe I'm doing myself out of a job. I'm not sure, <laughs> but but in any case, that kind of idea that you know. It, there are women in your lives that need to hear these messages. So if you take nothing from this podcast other than, you know what, I need to make sure the women in my life get the opportunity that Bronwyn's talking about to actually find a, a way to get involved in investing and take some tips from this. You know, give give some of this information to those women and say, here's what's going on. Here's what Bronwyn says you should try and do. Here's a resource. Go and have a look. Just get them exposed to it, get them started, help them understand there is real value there and there's worth there, right? For all of the negative connotations about investing that women may have been brought up with or have now, some of those probably are real, quite frankly, uh, but a large majority aren't. And from for all of us, uh, and I have a mother, a sister, I have nieces, um, you know, for all of those things, that it's just so, so incredibly relevant. So if, if you're a bloke listening to this and you're saying, what's in it for me? The answer is your chance to help out a relative, a friend, um, someone else who can really benefit quite frankly from this and i will say too if you think about some of the way that women invest and why they're successful if for no other reason there's a selfish reason for you blokes which is you'll learn something as to how to be a more successful investor by doing it so that's my quick ad um great roman you, you talked about the um the financial literacy and capability we've talked a little bit about some of the reasons that women aren't investing mm-hmm. what are some of the more specific challenges that women face when it comes to investing what's what's either keeping them away from investing or frankly stopping them from from being not as successful necessarily but building as much wealth as, as some of their male counterparts do so it's something that you said earlier uh it's such a masculine industry <laughs> and surely not it it really it's really excluding women yeah. unintentionally 
And it's kind of a legacy thing. You mm. know, men have always kind of fallen into these finance type jobs. Um, and women are getting into them and it's happening. I can see it. It's amazing. But um, it's such a masculine industry. And um, even Guilty, Your Honor. the language just drives me nuts. Um, it's, so tell me about some of that. So it's all about war and construction. And like, you need to build your portfolio and the Dow fought its way to the top. You know, I read this great. That's so true. I read this great piece um, about that. And. It was written by a woman, and she said, why wouldn't you knit your portfolio? <laughs> That's a really good point. I mean, it's a, it's a good enough yeah, word, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's, And it's actually more useful than build, actually, because it kind of has that, that almost, it's almost a 3D kind of, yeah, connotation to it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's the language, um, and I think a lot of the ways that people invest in getting into it and the platforms that have been designed, they're so unfriendly. I mean, women are 85% of the consumer, like they, mm. they do 85% of purchasing decisions, right? We know how to shop. <laughs> so yeah. y- you try and buy shares. Yeah. How hard is it? <laughs> That's actually pretty true. It's really hard. Yeah. There so are- by, design kind of by men, and not even necessarily directly for men, but almost by definition, because if you have a system and a process and a, and a site and a whatever designed by blokes, you're kind of going to get that as a result, right? Yeah. I mean, I went to buy an exchange traded fund in the US mm. and um, I had to fax something. Oh, no. I was like, who designed this? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. I don't remember the last time I used I don't, wouldn't know where to find a fax machine. I'd probably get my local chemist, I guess. I don't know. Where do they have them these days? I don't know. Office works. Where did you something? find office works? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, makes sense. that makes sense. All right. So, so the, 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 the industry is very male-dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sites aren't very friendly. Yep. Are there any other specific challenges that, that women confront when it comes to investing? Yeah. There's the one huge challenge mm. is um, risk. So women okay. are hugely more risk-averse than men. Um, in fact, there's a study from the University of Melbourne that says 60% of women are unprepared to take on financial risk. Right. Um, and when you see things on the news like, you know, the ASX tanked <laughs> or we're heading for a crash, you're $48 like... $48 billion wiped off the stock market. Right. And when you earn, what is the pay gap at the moment? You know, when you earn mm. 80... 82, 85 cents. Cents on the, on the male dollar. Right, right. And you live five years longer... <laughs> Your money actually means a lot to you. <laughs> right, right. So am I going to throw it into the stock market, okay. which is going to tank? Yeah, yeah. I just I just don't think I'm, I'm – well, not me, but yeah, yeah. I think women are like – they don't want to do that. And because they have different values to men. They, mm. want, they want the security. They want to provide for their families. They want to leave a legacy. Mm. It's not about, you know, like Warren Buffett creating <laughs> millions and millions and billions of dollars. Be the richest person on earth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So is it? So you've, you've you mentioned that a risk tolerance thing. I think I, I want to kind of break that down a little bit. Is yep. it a case of women not being comfortable with the risk they're taking, mm-hmm. or is it that they perceive the risk differently? So you and I would know from from our respective histories that the stock market is volatile, yeah, but over time compounds enormously, yeah. And there there are blokes as well as women who see the volatility as risk and will simply walk away. Mm-hmm. And so there's an education piece there to say, yes, it's volatile, but it doesn't make it risky in the same in the same way. Mm-hmm. Or is it a case of simply even that volatility is simply so we need to work on risk tolerance or education when it comes to helping women invest? Education. Okay. Absolutely. I, I think and that's what I try and write about in my blog as well. Mm. It's it's not about you you need to invest and you need to just you know, sell your shares when they tank or go low or whatever. Right. It's you need women need to understand that the stock market will rise and fall. Mm. Um, you just have to ride ride that wave. Um, and sometimes to do to understand risk, you might even have to try and buy some shares, and you might mm. fail, um, which is a scary thing. But 
it's just something that I, it needs. It's an education piece, definitely. Okay. And how do we how do we do that? You mentioned some policy. Um, or, or you referred to a policy prescription earlier. Without kind of giving you any more detail, you kind of talked a little bit about helping educate women. If if you were in charge of everything, if you were, if you were king for the king or queen for the day, queen say? for the day, queen for the day, <laughs> uh, or you were the prime minister, you were in charge of education. How, how would you give us the give us the Bronwyn Bruce the Miss Money Box version of of get, improving women's financial literacy and capability? Have you got a couple of points in mind? You'd kind of say. Either, either, either for the system itself or even for the women and men listening, go and do these things. Um, if I was queen for a day, yes. I would change the way that the financial industry speaks. Okay. Like I said before. To so make it more accessible? Totally more accessible. Okay. Um, I would... I, I would. I'm just trying to think of what I would do. Yeah, I've never been cool. asked if I would be queen for a day before. <laughs> the today, power's today gone to my lucky, head. Today is your lucky day. Exactly, exactly. You think about who, who am I going to have killed and who am I going <laughs> to? Um, or let, let, me, let me ask you a different way. So if if you think about um, is it is it a is it a is it, is it a policy prescription in terms of or, or is there a policy prescription in terms of the education system or in terms of uh, is there something governments should or could do education systems could or should do to help that? How would you go about trying to fix that part if at all? I think people talk a lot about um, children at school not learning about money. Mm. And it's true. Mm. You know, I learned about Pythagoras <laughs> and then knew nothing about... A squared about plus B squared equals C squared, like, as I recall. That's totally relevant <laughs> to my life. What about differentiation of uh, functions or something? Was that? I think I learned that. Sine and cosine. There you go. Yeah. And, yep. Totally valuable to my life. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, but compounding, yeah, yeah. which is something that is very valuable to my life, yeah. especially when I'm young, when, you know, right. you could save, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of money, $10 a week, I and then know. you earn the interest on the interest, and the next thing you know, you've got a nice little pot of money. So we don't learn that in mm. school, or well, I didn't learn that in school, mm. but the literature does say that most of our money habits and skills are learned at home. Okay. Um. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of a hard, it's a hard one to answer. Yeah. Because especially if you've got, and in my family, it was mum handles the budget. Yeah. And dad's off speculating on the stock market. <laughs> and not, and that's, you know, that's right, not right. in all families. Who knows what? No, I think that's, I think it's pretty common. It, it, it does strike me that, you know, and it's, it's again, a stereotype, but it seems to be reasonably true in my experience that women pay the bills mm-hmm. and the blokes do the investing. And, and certainly our members will say something similar a lot of the time as well. Yeah. And I think, um, if my dad had not had two daughters and he'd rather, if he'd had a son, I would have missed the conversations. Like, so you, you're the son he never had, really, were you? I did a lot of <laughs> manual labor for my father. <laughs> at least you got some investing in education as a, as a result. That's not a bad quid pro quo. And I'm very good at chopping firewood. <laughs> oh, good, because I've got someone I need to have, have cuddle. I'll get you not down. happening. No, okay. <laughs> um, so it, it, it seems to me, if I'm, if I'm going to kind of interpret what I think I hear you say, it's kind of the mums and dads are listening here or the or those people who haven't got kids but when they become parents that mm-hmm. kind of need to take responsibility to make sure that their daughters get the same education that their sons would, would either will get or would otherwise get if they had sons. It, it feels like it kind of it's a it, – so, so, okay, let me ask you rather than me, rather than me saying this. Okay. What should mums and dads be doing for their daughters to, to help them kind of get across it? Is it just having the conversations at home? Is it Is it kind of giving them an expectation that – 
is, is it breaking down the walls of gendered roles, for example, saying, you know, the, the boys aren't the leaders and the girls aren't the doll players. It's do what you want to do, a bit of everything and kind of get exposure to it. Is it that it's okay to be kind of to, to want to compound your money? Is it giving those lessons about what that's worth? Do you have, do you have a sense? I think it's all of those things. Okay. And I think it's, it's allowing your children to see you doing things with money. Oh, okay. I mean, they might not be interested, <laughs> but you could give it a go. You know, yeah. like I always saw my mum, she always had a checkbook out and all the money. Yeah, right. On the, on the kitchen table. Um, I, I don't know if that happens in most families. You know what I like about that? I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. And it makes me wonder, but my old man used to have um, old to- you know, remember the old tobacco tins. He wasn't a smoker, but he had the oh, old yeah. tobacco tins that were years old. And he actually would have either one for petrol and one for clothes and one for electricity. And I can vividly see him with the, the tins out on the on, on his bed at, at home. And he'd be putting the money, getting the, the paycheck and putting the money, you know, well, not paycheck, it was literally the pay packet, putting the money in the individual tins. It was 20 bucks for petrol and 10 bucks for clothes and, and whatever kind of get out. And that was the way of, of budgeting that kind of, maybe there's something to that. My mum had a coffee 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 jar. <laughs> so go. it's very, very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. It might, it might be about, Letting children see that mm. um, and not just restricting the more risky conversations to the boys. Mm. I don't know if that happens. Um, it didn't happen in my house. Yeah. But it could be something. I don't know. Mm. Look, mm. It's, a, it's a big question. I, yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm still trying to find the answer. Yeah. I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> well, what I like is you're doing, you're doing a lot to try and help that with your blog and that's, that's kind of cool. And every, every little bit helps. I, I know we've at The Motley Fool – like we're pretty, we're pretty dedicated to to equality and to diversity and that kind of stuff. And I have to say, despite that, um, our entire investment team is male, and frankly, all but I think one of us is of a Caucasian background. And so, kind of, we are the stereotype. Despite kind of as a business, we want to be different. Like we're actively saying, you know, I made a point of interviewing every woman woman applicant we've had because I want to make sure we give them the chance and, and kind of overcome some of those un- unconscious biases. But we're still having that problem of not getting enough candidates through, let alone people in the roles and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're, maybe the problem is we're trying to fight it as, as blokes, realizing that maybe we're not going to be able to break through to women because we really don't know how to do it well, how to do it properly. Maybe maybe it's – I don't know how you do it. If, you, if, if women aren't doing it, you can't use them as examples. But if you can't use them as examples, maybe they won't do it. Yeah. Is, is, it, is it quotas? Is it, is it kind of uh, – is there, is there a way to, to do it? I think it's important to get women involved in working in financial services industry. Um, there, you know, Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg, yes, Facebook, her book Lean In. So, you know, it's all about you have to be a bit more. Women have to be a bit more aggressive in going after what they want. Right. That's not a typical trait that I feel like I possess. Okay. <laughs> but there's also this other school of thought that's me- that says men should lean back. Right. Okay. Nice. Um, it's. So it's it's kind of like maybe what you're doing at the Motley Fool, like you're making sure you're trying to get women in. Mm, mm. Um, I don't know about other financial services companies if that's what they're doing, mm. but if you just lean back and give them the space to, you know, apply for a job and and even just interview them, mm, mm. I don't know if it's about quotas. Although I think quotas are good. Mm. Um, yeah, we have to lean in, but that's men have right. to lean back. Yeah, and I think I think you know I think that's I mean that's. And we kind of get into a little bit of a, a political thing and, and philosophical thing. And frankly, I'm a fan of exactly what you said. And, and we'll have people listening with different views. But I think that's kind of right. Like, there's some sense that guys got to have to make room, right? Like, there's, you know, it, it, there's, there's, it's, I, I saw a funny thing. One of the, and this gets a little bit political. And I won't worry about political parties and stuff. But there was one sense that kind of someone was saying that quotas, quotas can't work because it's got to be on merit. Right. And the response to that was, well, on what basis do you think women don't have sufficient merit to make up half of parliamentarians? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of exactly the perfect response, right? It's like, yes, merit should count, 
But if you genuinely believe as a bloke or as a woman that somehow women shouldn't merit half of the roles, there's nothing biologically different. There's no sense that they shouldn't do that. So by definition, if that's not working, then that's kind of the very problem in and of itself. And that kind of struck me as, as a really good point. Although I do think with investing, as we said, part of the problem is if you, if you spend none of your early life and, and, and you know, even later teen years being involved, learning, being educated, you're kind of starting a long way back, right, for most women. If they've got to start at 20-something and say, I want to start doing this thing, mm-hmm. it takes a while to build up that experience, that, that frankly, you know, even, even learning to be the temperament to be a good investor, the, the learning of what goes into that and how you get out of that, that's kind of a, a key part of, the, part of the lesson. Totally. And I, I think young boys, mm. they, it's a testosterone thing, right? They're like, I want to get in the stock market, I want to make lots of money. Right, right. Um, well, there's a reason that the, all of the or most of the trading desks are blokes, right? Because it's that it's that testosterone thing. Is that kind of you know swinging for the fences, the kind of the bravado, the macho stuff? That's kind of what historically, at least, and this is again a little bit of a cliche, except that it's borne out by the reality, which is it tends to be that that kind of aggressive nature that gets mm. you hired for those roles, almost by definition. Despite the fact that we know that, as I said, so the Motley Fool um, published a book. It was by one of our former editors called Warren Buffett Invests Like a Girl. And for those who know Warren Buffett, the kind of key point of the book, and not enough people read it, the point of the book was that. Buffett's investing traits are actually considered feminine traits. Again, for the generalization, he, he's more closely associated with, a, with a, a feminine approach to investing than a masculine approach to investing. Mm-hmm. And he's the world's fourth richest man, the, the most successful self-made investor ever. Like, this is a guy who's done it by basically investing the way women do. Buy and hold, right? Right. Rather than, rather than the kind of Wall Street, you know, get Sell out buy. there. and Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lots of trading and lots of risk-taking and, and carrying on. And, and that's kind of the... I think that's that's the total irony. All these blokes out there saying, I'm going to be like Warren Buffett. It's like, well, if you're going to do that, you kind of want to think about some of those feminine traits, that are, those traits that are more considered feminine that actually make much more uh, make more sense in that kind of context. Yeah. Hey, so as, as we finish up, we've, we've talked a little bit about men leaning back and making some room. We've talked a little bit about understanding that if you're a, if you're a family member or a friend of, of, of a girl or a lady, make sure you give them the opportunity and, and help them learn to the extent you can. Is there anything else particularly that, again, most of our audience is male, what can the blokes listening do differently, if anything, yep. to help the women in their lives, or frankly, women not in their lives yet, be better investors, get involved, really value and benefit from what they've benefited from, which is the power of investing and compounding? I would say don't patronise women about money. Uh, something I, I saw in my household, I don't think my father meant to do this, but my mum was a keen as um, term deposit oh, saver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And for, for someone who, you know, baby boomer, you mm. know, to, to, to do that, you know, she'd take chunks of money, put it in a term deposit, and then roll it over to the next one. So she's compounding. Nice. She's, she's doing all the right things. Reinvesting the interest. Yeah, awesome. All that, but not taking the big risks that, my dad was taking yeah. and I remember he, he would laugh at her right? and, and oh, you know, I, I kind of laughed at her as well, which yeah. I shouldn't have done. But what you should do is not patronize people like that because she's actually doing something pretty good. Right, right. And then you say, well, you've done, you've made that step. What about thinking about maybe an ETF or something mm-hmm. like that? I mean, and ed- help educate them. Because it's only it's only through education and sharing knowledge that we're going to get to this kind of more equal level when it comes to investing between men and women. That's awesome. I, I, well, that was going to be the last question, but I, I come oh. with another one because you, you made a really good point. Is, is do you have for, for, for again for the blokes listening who can who can speak to women in their lives and, and more importantly for the women listening because we really do want to reach out to them as well? How would you go about starting to invest? And this doesn't necessarily need to be a female thing rather than a male thing, right? But 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 particularly you're talking to women now or blokes who can hopefully then talk to women. 
as a female investor, as someone who understands far more than I do, uh, the female psyche and, and approach to investing, mm-hmm. if you're going to say, here's a couple of steps to take, just so we can take something concrete away from the podcast, what what should women do to start investing? If they're thinking about, if they listen to the podcast or a bloke said, hey, listen to this, they hear what you're saying, it makes a heap of sense, right, now what do I do? Can you give them a couple of, a couple of steps? Sure. I think- Women think that you need a lot of money to start investing, which isn't true. You can invest with $500 if you want. And you you probably need to realize that you might fail, and that's okay. Right. Uh, so expect that you won't be brilliant at it from the get-go, yep. um, but give it a try. And if you invest in something like an index fund or an exchange-traded fund, you know, you're instantly diversified across so many sectors. So the risk issue isn't isn't a big one mm-hmm. i mean the stock market could totally tank yep. but you know you never know but it's also always come back right That's and the it other always thing. comes back it's it's always going to come back so um you just I, I think it's one of those things you you actually have to to give it a try but you need mm. to educate yourself as well um and the best way you could do that is by reading my blog missmoneybox.com.au beautiful look at that perfect plug i love it Normally, at this point, I would do a high horse, but I'm not going to because Bronwyn has made more than enough salient points, and I'm not going to uh, not going to destroy it by, by being ranting. Liam, you'd be, you'd be impressed to know. So, fools, uh, I would encourage you, as Bronwyn already has, to go to missmoneybox.com.au. Can you subscribe to an email at that? You sure can. There you go. And you're also on Twitter at the same handle? Uh, I sure am. There you go, Miss Moneybox or missmoneybox.com.au. And that wraps us up. But before we go, don't forget you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes or your favourite Android podcast app. And if you would like what we're doing, and we hope you will, give us a five-star rating, give Bronwyn some love on iTunes, um, and tell your friends. I'm sure they could use the little foolish straight talk and a little bit of Miss Moneybox straight talk as well. That's it for this week. Until next week, fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.